0: Welcome to Invisible, a masterclass on global education powered by One, in partner with Helios EduCore, AmbiClass and Furtado School of Music. This third edition of masterclass series will take you on a short journey of transformation. We are so thrilled to introduce you with 30 global educators selected from 30 countries. In this masterclass innovative topics. Informative content and progressive ideas are being shared with you. We remain hopeful that this and forthcoming sessions will inspire you to bring about that possible change to take your school community to a new direction of development. My name is Namruta, and I will be your moderator for today. I represent India's largest counseling organization, Brain Wonders. With 108 global centers, Brainwonders has been revolutionizing the face of academic guidance, career development, and personal growth via its US patented DMIT and online psychometric test. Founded by Mr. Manish Naidu, over the past decade, Brainwonders has been nationally awarded on seven platforms, including recognition for being the most trusted and digitally innovative career counseling company. Excellence and passion is what this strives for. And with that, let's begin today's session. Before I welcome today's speaker, I request all our audience to immerse themselves in the session and hold their questions, which will be addressed right after the sessions. I now present to you today's speaker, Erin Fleming and Chelsea Thomas, who are joining us from Canada. Chelsea and Erin began working together in 2015 creating alternative learning programs and exploring radical ideas in educational philosophy. Chelsea is an educational researcher at University of Chicago, and Erin dedicates her time to supporting families who wish to explore educational alternatives. Chelsea Thomas has been a mom of four unschoolers and her research is focused on how educators can use their stories of resistance to oppositional binary logics to create or decolonize decolonial projects that are invitational to everyone, her advocacy is her advocacy work is connected to we learn naturally, paving the way for self-directed education programs. Erin Fleming has experienced learning in many contexts, and her educational and professional paths reflect that. After leaving contemporary teaching, Erin joined efforts with other professionals and colleagues, including. Naturally, an educational alternative advocacy group. And recently, she has started mentoring an offshoot of We Learn Naturally to support parents as they make educational choices and work towards a more collaborative relationship with their children. Over to you, Erin.
1: Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. It is such a pleasure and and such a joy to be joining all of you today. Um, Chelsea is not here at the moment, so I'm going to be sharing on behalf of Chelsea and I both. Hopefully she can jump in later, Um, but for now we're going to spend time together and I'm really excited to be sharing. So um, I wanted to start out by sharing something that... Uh, has become important in Canada. Um, Here in Canada, we are now known to be um, in the process of honoring the land and the peoples who were stewards of this land before Canada was colonized. And for me, this has meant becoming acquainted with the names and languages of the territories where I was raised and where I'm now raising my children. And I grew up in a province in Ontario, or sorry, a province called Ontario and in the southern part, which is actually unceded territory um, of the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe people. And it's where I live, it's where I work and play, and it's it has a beautiful land and this land was never... Um, the colonizers came in and basically just took this land and so sharing a little bit about the history of this land and why decolonization is so important to to Chelsea and I is important I think in sharing this topic. <clears throat> I came across an acknowledgement, a land acknowledgement, and in Canada we're starting to share land acknowledgements before any um, large presentations to honor the people who took care of the land before us. So I came across this acknowledgement from an educator and founder of uh, Kerkere Freedom House in Michigan, USA. And I thought that it would be nice to share it today so that you can get a taste of um, what we're doing here in Canada in terms of land acknowledgements. So here's the acknowledgement. Wherever you are right now, you are on indigenous land. Perhaps you are here by choice or live on the land stewarded by your family since the beginning of memory. Perhaps you have been displaced by war, slavery, colonization, or greed. Some of your ancestors may have come with hope in their hearts in search of freedom. Others may have left by force and in fear. Whatever your story, we invite you to make time to acknowledge the history of humans who cared for the land on which you learn, love, and play. So with that land acknowledgement in mind, that's that's sort of where we're coming from in this presentation today. And in order to create a container for the ideas that I wish to share with you, I thought that we could begin with a question of why. That is, why do we believe in the significance of developing a sense of belonging in conventional education. Our work as educators for both Chelsea and I is grounded in our commitment to de-center colonial values that influence the ways that we understand education, learning, and child rearing, how we relate to kids. As inhabitants of the settler colonial nation that we have come to know as Canada, this has meant seeking out decolonizing educational practices that cultivate greater creativity, increase the ways we participate in education, consider the knowledges of the Indigenous people of this land that we call Canada, and ultimately we seek out educational practices that nurture a more peaceful society. A commitment that is not solely focused with our own country, but beyond our borders, decentering the dominant ways of knowing and being that currently shape our understandings of education by involving in a multiplicity of ways of knowing and being into the educational landscape. Overall, both our unique and shared understandings of learning, belonging, and healing and the entangled nature of these processes are largely informed by our desire to question, unlearn, and decenter those ideas which we have observed as being harmful and a hindrance to the goals uh, that I shared above. Moving along, we thought it might be useful to briefly explore the conventionally understood purpose of education, both in India and here in Canada. I will then follow up with our expanded vision of what the purpose of education could be, and then I'll share a model representing that. That model will capture how we might begin to implement the more expansive notion of education, one that nurtures belonging, safety, and dignity for all. So with a quick Google search, I discovered that India, as per the national policy on education in 1968, um, says the aim of education is to promote national progress, a sense of common citizenship and culture, and to strengthen national integration. Now, I would say quite similarly to India, Here in Canada, we see the purpose of education, broadly speaking, as, and this is from an article within a Canadian encyclopedia, meant to ensure that a structure is in place which will allow for the development of the personal uh, capacities of each individual. The educational structure will also facilitate the development of those skills needed by society, and foster those values advocated by the community. So from a more conventionally aligned perspective, we can see that both our nations and perhaps many of us here today, education is seen as a protected right for every child that is used to mold and shape learners into whatever qualities that have been deemed most adequate to support the goals, culture and needs of a given society. In both of our country's examples, it appears to value and promote assimilation, or the process of becoming the same, and the idea that education should be used to foster a shared societal identity. And while I'm sure that most of us would agree that these educational statements appropriately capture the perceived intent of public education as we know it, What these articulations fail to address is the rich diversity that exists inside the human species and the fact that many of us have been historically silenced, marginalized, and continually excluded from receiving positive and equitable educational experiences that lead us to reach our full and limitless potential. Furthermore, as educators, we often find ourselves on the front line entrusted with impossible challenges of molding our students into a one-size-fits-all style of learning, schooling, and education. It is with this in mind that Chelsea and I combined our personal and overlapping experiences to offer an expanded understanding of education and its purpose. We wish to see education as a vehicle for each individual to reach their full potential, contribute to, the world's in, w- contribute to the world in ways that are meaningful and important to them, to achieve greater access to creativity, and to cultivate more peace in the world. We see this being uh, a fundamental shift of our focus beyond assimilation or shared identity towards shared belonging. We are a diverse species with diverse histories and experiences, and our educational opportunities must reflect that. Belonging is not just within us, it is also between us. So we need to create a sense of connection and integration with each other and with the world around us. Without the sense of belonging, our brains activate biochemical responses commonly known as fight, flight, freeze, and other relational trauma responses come up too that ultimately prevent us from connecting with one another and hinder positive and meaningful learning experiences from taking place. Holding to this expansive visioning for education as a way to build belonging for ourselves and our students our roles and experiences as educators will necessitate, necessitate, hard word for me to say early in the morning here in Canada, um, a shift as well. So I'm now going to go on and explain a little bit about, um, about that model. So as teachers and educators, we can see that learning is happening all the time. This happens with our influence and it happens without our influence. Natural learning happens in any environment. Humans have this internal motivation to play, heal, and connect as forms of learning. Taking an example from your country, India, Dr. Sugata Mitra's famous hole-in-the-wall experiment with children and a computer showed the world just how common natural learning is. In conventional education, the learning environments are more mm, contrived, and the motivation for learning is, is taking place outside the learner. Someone else has some ideas about what that learner should be doing. As a result, the models we use to understand the learning process don't accurately reflect how internal or external motivation play a role in how deeply we learn models we have been using to understand learning leaves feelings and a sense of belonging out of the learning equation. And yet that sense of belonging is really the driving force behind what we learn and how we integrate it. So I'm going to share a model with you that shows how belonging affects learning. And for the sake of clarity, this model is also trying to capture the embodied feelings of the learner. And I have an unusual request for you. Um, If you are willing, would you mind almost using this this model um, like a meditation? And I know that usually when we come across models, we stay in our brains and we try to process what we're um, listening to or what we're seeing. And I'm going to invite you, if you're willing, to just close your eyes and try to feel the model in your body. Already pretty radical, right? Um, You don't have to. I'm I'm also going to switch over and share. I'm going to share the model with you also. So if you're not comfortable closing your eyes, that's fine too. I'm just going to pull up the model. There we go. So here is the natural learning model that I wanted to share with you. And I'm just going to start, we're going to start in, if you're following along visually, we're starting at that bottom left-hand corner. We'll just take a couple of deep breaths before we start and clear our minds of whatever, whatever you you were doing today that might be still in your mind. And we're going to start with that beginning place of inspiration, play, curiosity, openness. Can you feel that in your body? Can you feel what it means to be open and curious and playful? And as you feel that in your body, perhaps there is... Um, something that you really feel pulled to explore or pulled to do, and I and I'm not really sure what that might be. Um, you know, maybe you're really curious about. Um, maybe you have a hobby that you're really interested in, and you can't wait to get back to it. Um, or maybe maybe it's something that's that's not even. <laughs> anything that you've explored before, maybe you're feeling really curious about, let's say, um, why the human body would get a fever at the start of being ill. Or maybe you um, feel the urge to practice a dance that your grandmother taught you from her village. Whatever questions you feel pulled to, feel the energy behind that curiosity. Notice that this is the starting place in your body. Feel that sense of belonging, the curiosity and openness start inside your body, inside you. Now, someone who has power tries to direct our attention and learning. There's a certain outcome they wish to see. Now, Feel that shift in you as you try to use your mind to shift the learning to match the needs outside of you. Can you feel that shift in energy as you try to switch over? Once we completed the task the other person has asked of us, we've definitely learned something. And how does your body feel? I'm guessing that it might feel exhausted, or maybe it feels glad to be done with the task. Um, Maybe there's relief and joy that you can get back to the many other things that you feel internally motivated to do. Maybe, Maybe you just kind of feel disconnected. Maybe you forget lots of the things you've learned because you were never really pursuing the learning out of your own curiosity to begin with. Take a couple of breaths and after you've taken a couple of breaths, see if you can reconnect to that feeling of play and inspiration and openness. Is it that same level of energy that you had before someone tried to direct your learning? Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) I know in me, my energy feels diminished. Now imagine cycling through this externally motivated learning many times over and many, to- many years over and over again. Do you have that same energy to access the creativity and openness as easily now? So that example, for those of you who are following along visually, That example was the lower portion of the arrows, leading to learning, reflect, and then back into inspiration, play, and observation. Now let's take another deep breath, and we'll clear that example out of our minds. And we're going to start off again at that lower left-hand corner of inspire, play, and observe. And I want you to tap into that feeling again, in your body, that feeling of playfulness, curiosity, excitement, openness. Have you got that feeling in your body? Do you know what what you feel really pulled to do and explore? Can you feel that energy? Now, pursue that, move towards that energy. Can you feel the energy growing in you as you envision moving towards that curiosity? Again, I have no idea what you might feel inspired to do or explore, and I trust that whatever you're pulled to to do, whatever you feel curious about, is meeting your needs. Now, you might still have hurdles in what you're trying to do, things to overcome. That happens all the time in learning, right? Learning is challenging, but when the hurdles show up, you can access that swell of energy to overcome the challenge and persevere. So that strong pull you felt in the beginning, that can get you over the hump of trying to work through a problem. So feel that in your body, feel yourself bumping up against something that's challenging and tapping into that energy and curiosity and power that you had at the very beginning. You're overcoming a barrier, discovering something new or achieving something really meaningful to you. This is what we're calling shine on the diagram. immensely satisfying feeling of pursuing something that you feel curious and passionate about, bumping up against something that's challenging and overcoming it. And now you're just in this state of glow. (laughs) Now, after an experience of shine, you're feeling energized and connected to the world around you, and you still need time to reflect just like In the previous example, but this this rest stage likely feels different. You're coming out of a feeling of shine and you're making sense of your experience. Feel how strongly it integrates into what you know and who you are. When you've rested and integrated and reflected, feel yourself start to tap into that curiosity again that playfulness, that openness. I'm guessing that after feeling that sense of shine, you're very excited to try something new. Enjoy that energy for a moment. So let's take a few deep breaths. And we'll come back to this presentation. So if we wish to create that sense of shine for others, let me just catch up here. If we wish to create an education system that creates more opportunities for people to achieve their full potential and feel that sense of shine, they need to feel a sense of safety right at the very beginning. Are they safe to explore and take risks? If we need, if they need to pursue something that we as educators don't understand or value. Do we trust them to do that? With an environment that's rich in belonging, more people can actively learn in ways that are meaningful to them. And with belonging at the center, we don't need everyone to be learning the same thing to know that rich learning is happening. To create this environment of safety and trust, we need to first feel a sense of belonging as educators. We need more people in positions of power, teachers, principals, to feel safe, to connect to their feelings and needs and act on them if we wish to provide that environment for learners. If we want more people to access creativity and live peacefully, that starting point is that sense of belonging in us because we are the ones in the positions of power. Starting to, um, the starting place of curiosity and openness um, within that model could also lead us to feel pulled to heal or connect. And healing and connecting, they are actually forms of learning also. So if we need uh, to process and heal, it's just as important in this learning model. And that might sound radical, (laughs) and in the face of conventional schooling, it is. Um, In our model, we are suggesting that play, connection, learning, and healing are a fully integrated experience. They're not separated. And in fact, I've often said that in another language, there is likely a word for this fully integrated experience, but it certainly doesn't exist in English. Seeing the word heal in a learning model and normalizing the word healing for ourselves as educators, that's pretty radical. Your sense of belonging as an educator impacts the quality of education for your learners. So that means part of your job as an educator includes giving yourself space to heal, connect, and learn. If we wish to have a world with more peace, more ability to work together and tap into our collective creativity and healing potential, we need more folks to feel a sense of belonging in the world. That involves finding ways to decenter Eurocentric or colonial values in education. We need to bring healing, play, connection, and learning back to the individual. The role of teacher and educator shifts from evaluator and knowledge share to that of bridge builder, co-learner, co-creator. In modeling how to value ourselves, we can create space for others to do the same. And I'm not just talking about accepting one another, I'm talking about really understanding one another and valuing everyone's needs. In that space of valuing one another, meeting needs becomes just as important as the learning outcomes. So, I have, I'm just going to switch over and share another slide with you. Let me pull it up. So, I'm just losing my voice. I might need a, a little drink of water. One second, please. So, in in creating this presentation for you today, um, there were some questions that came up for us, and I wanted to share them with you, perhaps as a starting point for the discussion we're going to have. Um, And we don't have to discuss these questions at all, I just know that for Chelsea and I, we were really excited to share this concept with you. to get your feedback and, and really sort of understand your experience and how it fits or how it, how it doesn't fit. Um, so these were some of our questions that we had for you and they could potentially be um, where we go in the discussion portion of the presentation. But like I said, if you if there's something else that you feel pulled to discuss, I'm happy to chat about that too. So I'll just read these questions aloud to you, and um, and then, then we'll be ready to, to start answering questions and having a discussion. And by the way, that is the part that I'm most looking forward to <laughs> talking with all of you. So um, one of the main questions that came up for us was how does this land for you as an educator in India? We know that what we're proposing is quite radical, and <clears throat> within Canada, you know, for teachers to see these concepts of belonging in conventional classrooms, um, it can feel it can feel really radical. So we're really curious, how does this land for you as an educator? Um, How does body awareness affect learning and create a sense of belonging? So for those of you who are trying to follow along with my model, um, and experience the feelings in your body, I know I went a little quickly because I was concerned about time, but we're really curious about, you know, what sort of feelings came up for you, Um, body awareness in your classroom, in your own personal practice, how does that affect learning and create a sense of belonging? One of the big questions that Chelsea and I really grappled with was, how do we feel a sense of belonging when we know that there are other people who are struggling outside our sphere, outside of um, our area that we can reach at this point in time, um, you know, for us that tapped into like a sense of fairness, and yeah, that 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 was something that we really grapple with. And so, if you have a response to that, we'd be open to hearing that. And finally, um, for you as an educator, giving yourself permission to do things differently and to create a sense of belonging for all, you know, where do you have the opportunity to think and act differently? I know that many of us are um, working within jobs and sort of some restrictions. And it can be really tricky to find some wiggle room and find spaces where um, you can even just have space to, to be aware of what you're feeling and what you're needing and act on that and start to create a little sphere where you feel a deeper sense of belonging, where you can tap into your own feelings or sorry, your own experiences of feeling internally motivated to do something and feeling that sense of shine. So as an educator, um, this was something that I always loved doing with colleagues, you know, figuring out, you know, how, what are you doing in your classroom? What are you doing in your school? Um, What sort of tips can I learn from other people that I could apply in my practice and in my work? So the last question is really about that, what are you doing already? Um, What can we learn from one another? So I'm going to stop sharing that slide. And I'm ready for questions and discussion. It's the part that I've been looking forward to (laughs) since first being asked to take part in this presentation. So, Namrata, would you mind taking over and moderating Uh,
0: Yes. Uh, So, I absolutely agree. I think you left on a lot of questions. And uh, the whole aspect about, you know, what you spoke, about colonizing certain, not certain aspects, I will say a whole system of education. And education is what is supposed to shape a child into, you know, for a future. And if that, it's, it's a very systematic issue that you addressed and i think uh, given the fact that Canada and india share both uh, you know that experience very very well and have adopted that aspect uh, quite intrinsically if i may put it like that i think it's a very valid uh, topic and most importantly very provoking questions that you have asked us you know towards the end so i open the floor to another uh, floor i open the screen to all our participants who will of course uh, i'm sure a lot of them are Waiting to engage with you as well based on the questions that you had asked and of course for further questions. I would like to remind the audience that there's an activities button on the top right next to the chat icon on the top uh, right corner which you can use post your questions so that we can have a very hard to heart discussion with Erin. Uh, Yes, so we have some uh, questions uh, coming in, Uh, but before that, uh, I wanted, I have uh, just a query of my own uh, and when how the model that you had presented to us, you know, I mean, yes, the session was quite relaxing, but then (laughs) did you do a lot of trial and error while before coming to that model or is that something that you had already, let's say, found via a lot of research or aspects and then?
1: Yeah, um, that model came about because my own personal um, studies in education with children and even adult education, I noticed that the models that we were using, particularly with children, um, they were very adult-centered. So it was, you know, as a teacher, if I want this particular outcome, this is the learning model. To bring about that outcome. And because I felt really passionate about natural learning, um, learning when you are intrinsically motivated to learn, I I started to really pay attention to the models that I was coming across. Um, Adult learning models tap into that internal motivation style more often than child learning models. And as we were, let's see, it's also based in experience. So after years of offering um, self-directed education style programming and learning, uh, we noticed that, you know, when when children are moving through this self-directed learning process, we don't have to inspire them to learn. I see. It's happening all the time. And uh, that sense of shine was just so obvious. And and I noticed as a a teacher, someone who's taught in a conventional classroom, that's very rare in a conventional classroom to see a child feeling that sense of shine so deeply. And it happens so regularly in more natural self-directed education learning environments. So Chelsea with her research, at University of Victoria. Uh, She was sort of looking into what sort of natural learning models are out there. We couldn't find one that really sort of brought the learning back into feelings and that sense of belonging. A lot of them were sort of only in your head. And so the learning model came about because of experience, looking at what already was available to us as researchers and educators. And Chelsea and I are in the process of having um, that model published.
0: All right. With that, I would also like to welcome um, Chelsea who has joined us for this. Thank you so much for you know participating. I know it's early right over there.
2: I am so, so, so again, sorry everyone thank you thank you for such a gracious welcoming I I'm on Pacific Standard Time and so Aaron and I are already three hours apart and for some reason I thought that it started at 4 30 so I am so sorry like I'm so sorry this was so very important to me and I can't believe that I'm late I
0: cannot believe that I'm late I'm so sorry <laughs> Uh, so, actually, Erin uh, uh, had very well engaged. Uh, she had conducted a right. short activity, a much relaxing activity, I must say. I mean, I definitely enjoyed that, you right. know. Uh, it's almost evening in India, so definitely we had had quite a busy day already ahead. So, we really needed that. And uh, Chelsea, there are some questions that are coming in. So, Erin and Chelsea, whoever is comfortable, we would definitely love to have your insights on those questions. So I'll sure. present the first one that is uh, uh, shared by Miss uh, Salvaje asking how does the feeling of belonging feel and if you can define it in certain terms
1: Um would you mind repeating that question my internet cut out just yes. as you were saying it
0: <laughs> Yes yes so uh, she's asking how does the feeling of belonging uh, feel like? And what, if you can define it, what, how would it be?
1: The feeling of belonging. Um, Chelsea, I, I would love for you to, to share your understanding of belonging also, but maybe I'll start this question myself. That feeling of belonging, um, for me, it feels like a deep sense of trust in myself, it's not second-guessing my needs, it's having a deep understanding of what my needs are, deeply valuing my needs. Um, Doesn't mean that I'll always be able to meet my needs, but recognizing how valuable they are. And that sense of belonging, um, once, sometimes it's really difficult to have a sense of belonging in certain environments So I'm maybe not always vocal (laughs) or sharing what my needs are with others. Maybe sometimes I decide to keep my needs to myself for a while and observe, but that sense of belonging really starts in me and valuing myself and where I'm at. Chelsea, would you like to add anything?
2: Sure. Um, I guess for me, where the idea has come about is, understanding that um, much of the work that we we've been doing you know over the last for myself and for Aaron and I say you know over the last five years together we, we've been looking a lot at like what are the human conditions that are um, necessary for people to feel safe and connected and to learn optimally um, and you know there's a lot of there's a lot of language here um, in Canada around inclusion and, and you know, looking at ways to um, uh, to make sure that everybody is being given the right to participate, and I use the word right because um, it's slightly different than um, this idea of belonging that we're talking about. So, a lot of times with inclusion, we're looking at this idea of like this is like a moral obligation of everybody's to include everybody at this in this space, um, but belonging is much different. Like a felt sense of belonging. Um, just for me, just saying the word belonging feels different in my body. I don't know um, for any of you, but when I, when I think about what it feels like to belong, this means not that I have the right to be here, not that, okay, you guys have opened the door and you've said you, you're, you're here and we have to have you here, but also um, that I'm seen, that I feel that I'm, that I'm, I'm not just that I, that I'm brought to the table, but that I'm actually seen and heard and valued. Um, and that I feel safe um, and dignified. So these are, these are different feelings because when I feel that I belong somewhere, I feel good and I feel ready to show up and, and be the best version of myself. And that's much different than, um, in my opinion, that's much different than if someone just said, okay, sure, we're going to let you here because everybody said that you're supposed to be here. Um, It it just, it looks and feels a lot different. So this idea of belonging that Erin and I have come to is, um, we just understand it to be a lot more of like a universal human condition. We all need to feel that we belong. And it, and it doesn't, it's, it's it just it, all the senses, it engages the senses in a totally different way. Because, um, I don't know, you just, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're supposed to be somewhere, you know it. And if maybe not, if the, if the environment has brought you there and they've said, yeah, sure, you can stay, but we're not really going to think about how to get to know you or to see you. It's a very different experience.
0: I absolutely am on board with that. I think, you know, the whole idea that you both brought out that, um, like how Erin spoke about how belonging in something could be more extrinsic. And then you spoke about, Chelsea, you spoke about how belonging is also something that is extrinsic. It goes, it, it is not something because when we think of belonging, we always think of a relationship. It's not necessary. It could be involved with yourself also that sense of safety that sense of comfort that sense of joy that you have that you uh that feel connected in that aspect and you want to be connected in that aspect i think it is more than you know just me welcoming somebody it is more that this person also feels like coming back again and again so
2: that's i right. think that's
0: that's very beautifully brought out and you know the whole aspect that it's a right rather than a rather than a formality that one should be doing. It is a basic human uh, value that all of us should be inculcating. I think that that stands out, That would re- that resonates with the, quite a lot of us over here. Thank you. So, uh, audience, if uh, you want to unmute them yourself and present any question, we can do that as well. Uh, we do have. Uh, let me just check. Uh, yeah. So we do not have any more questions on the chat box right now. I think uh, you both well uh so yes and i think the whole aspect was uh you know how relaxing the <laughs> whole uh, uh session was is something that i think all of us appreciate like at the end of the day right now over here and definitely we needed that that i can't say a break uh, i would say rather than that that tra- that sense of tranquility that erin you provided you know using that activity I think that is something that all of us appreciated a lot. <laughs> well, I would I'm say. Glad. And I think it was a experience for all of us as well. Yeah.
1: Well, I think part of our thought, or at least my thought, in sharing it, that model in that way, you know, it would have been very easy for me to share the model in, you know, a more academic sense. And, you know, mm. walked us through the model. But really, if if this presentation is about belonging, you know, let's get back into our own sense of selves and back into our feelings. You know, that sense of belonging starts with us. And so it felt like a unique opportunity (laughs) for all of us to get back into what we're feeling and what we're needing. And especially, like you said, after a full day of work, um, feeling tired, thinking about evening obligations that you have coming up. You know, that that beginning place, that openness, curiosity, that pull. Um, I'm really curious if anyone felt the pull in that moment. You know, maybe you have to care for children or you want to connect with a partner or spouse. Um, That that sense of pull might have come up for you in real ways. And um, I, I think that's the starting point of belonging, recognizing what your pull might be and finding ways to act on it whenever possible.
0: All right. So um, there's one more query that has come up from Chelsea. You can answer Mm -hmm. it. Uh, When, where uh, Ms. Selva, she wants to know more about your school and what are the age groups of the children who are attending it?
2: That's a good question. Um, So I'm not sure how much Erin has shared um but my kids uh here well first of all their ages are 10 8 6 and 3. i have one daughter and three sons um and actually like nearly 100 percent inspired by these ideas around my experiences with belonging in the school system um i grew up here in canada with a single mom i'm the eldest of four myself and um i also, I'm a mixed race person. Um, and so where I grew up, I was very, I didn't, I was, I, my experience was one that um, there was not a lot of representation of people who were like me, um, mm-hmm. like families like my own, um, people who looked like me. And even though I was, I really strove to feel that sense of belonging, I had a really um, internal desire to feel um, that I belonged. Um, it didn't really ever feel like that. So this is this stuff that that we're talking about. It definitely is um, based a lot in lived experience for myself and and my siblings. And um, so when I had my daughter ten years ago, we actually decided that we weren't going to participate in the school system here. And we have um, the option here to um, opt out of school and, uh, and use home learning. And so our journey has been an option for home education, but with the support um, of the government in various ways, there's different programs. So my kids are enrolled in a public, um, what we call distributed learning program. Um, and it really allows for us to um, sort of tailor all of the thing, all of the, the learning that the kids are engaging in is really directed by them in a really natural way. Um, and for me, that really, sort of solidifies um, the the sense of belonging potential. Because um, one of the things that I remember for myself was that I really just wanted to be seen. I really, I, I strove for straight A's. I listened, I did all of the things and I really just wanted my teachers to see me and to understand like who I was and what was going on in my mind. Um, and I really didn't feel it. Like as one of 30 in a class, most of the time, I just, I, I know that it really, it created um, inside of me this internal drive for um, overachieving and trying to get people to see me. And so I really wanted something different for my kids. And so a lot of our our daily practices and our approach to learning is one where I, I really try to slow down and take the time to get to know Um, each of my children as their unique people. Um, And, you know, we spend a lot of time using like a digital portfolio called Seesaw um, that allows for us to still document their learning and um, through pictures and journals and things like that. And, you know, they use artwork and music and they use games. And um, so unschooling is probably the closest um, approach that I would say to what we do. And I'm not sure how many people are familiar with that, but um, you know, John Holt coined that term, um, and it's tough to find the language that suits, um, I think, our approach. We're still, that's why Erin and I are working really hard to sort of, uh, you know, do things like create models, because there's just not a lot out there. We say, yes, unschooling is a lifestyle, um, but I do believe that it would be really lovely to have schools that adopted a lot of this stuff, because one of the other pieces that I would share is that it hasn't been easy for my family to to, to um choose home learning just based on you know financial reasons and and work and support and like creating that balance and so to have um, educators like all of you and you know and schools to start to look at learning this way might mean that we will have more access to these things in public settings which is um very much where my work um my commitment to this work is is rooted in having these kinds of philosophies more accessible to a wider um group of people to everybody and no, I don't even want to say just to a wider to everyone if they choose because part of belonging is having more choice having increasing the ways that we participate in education so that more people feel that sense of absolutely
0: yeah. so and thank I'm you also, for asking that question
1: <laughs> I'm also wondering perhaps uh Chelsea at the beginning uh the the video that was shared was the learning in the woods video and oh, so nice. we learn naturally um has has offered different learning programs um, in southern Ontario. Um, Learning in the Woods was a forest school that we offered Um, and even even calling it a school, I feel a little uncomfortable about even calling it a school because in my mind, you know, it was so focused on self-directed education that it didn't feel like my understanding of what a school is. So that one took place all outdoors, all in nature. Um, we did another version of that um, in the local city, Hamilton. Um, and that was also really neat because it was a lot of learning in communities. So visiting um, different organizations in our city, um, different businesses, and, um, you know, the kids would come up with projects that they wanted to pursue and we would find ways to help them access resources in our community so that they could go in the directions that they were most interested in learning. Um, so although we called ourselves school, most of the people who were participating in the programs were people who were opting out of traditional or con- sorry maybe traditional is not the right word, conventional schooling And still wanted that sense of learning and community, but wanted to try something that was a little bit different, um, like the idea of being able to tap into that innate curiosity. Um, You know, kids in a group, they continue to to learn in all sorts of different environments. And for me as an educator, it was really interesting to have small groups, like a class-sized group of kids, but multi-age um, so we had kids who are age four up until teenager, all in the same space, learning together, uh, supporting one another. It was It's a really unique learning environment if what you're used to is conventional school with conventional grades.
0: Great. I agree with you on that, father. That it's a unique learning environment, but I think we also have to understand that it's a unique learning environment now if you go back hundreds of years and all later that would not have been in a unique environment it is unique now because now the moment you think school the moment you think of, okay is this think about okay does it have four walls Does it have benches which is not true i mean school by definition is a place where you go to be educated it doesn't the place doesn't have that definition so i think yes i agree on the fact that we need to rework through our roots and it was it has been happening since time immemorial and there's no definite way and there's no right way that one could decide like how Chelsea said you know there has to be at least a choice has to be there and then probably they can you know see okay what would work what would work and then also it's a trial and error because at the end it's a parent who will take that decision in the beginning that okay I know what's best for my child but once you leave the child in an open environment the child could make the choices which are more suitable to their understanding which they know that they are going to enjoy and pursue if we do not give that choice that is uh that is an error on our part and not on the child's part very strongly yeah. so thank you for yes sorry you're saying something did i interrupt you
2: no i just said thank you thank you yes <laughs> okay
0: all right uh so yes thank you for uh, joining us today i know it's very very early over there and uh, the whole aspect i think you know the way you have taken the whole session and answered so bu- our questions so beautifully it is very very important for us to understand that you know it's 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 a high time that we need to sort of at least you know before broadening up uh, learning just about funds, at least broaden our thinking and understand what basic human values are like uh you know in your session we spoke about so oh, so um Widely about belonging, but we also spoke a little about you know kindness, gratitude. Like I mean, just being formally school, school of what your values are as a citizen of the world, and I think that is something so beautifully, and uh, for that we are eternally grateful. A lot of appreciation for you from India. And I hope that we would stay connected and collaborate together to a vision that I think would benefit all the students of the world, not just India, not just Canada, but all the students and all the generation of the world.
1: Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity. It was such a pleasure to share and learn from you also. Um, And I share your vision, (laughs) your greater vision for wishing for more options and opportunities not just for learners in India, Canada, but everyone feeling that deeper sense of belonging throughout the world.
2: <laughs> yes, thank you so much. And for a right, beautiful, you po- gracious reception. I apologize. Um, I'm so happy that I got a chance to be with you all just for this little piece of time. Um, I really did feel the sense of belonging that we're talking about. So you were able to create that for me in such a small um, window. And I just am so thankful. Um, and yes, just to echo what both of you said, I, I certainly um, share in that vision for everyone to be seen and for learning and education to be viewed as something that prioritizes belonging. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you and have a great day. Thank you for our participants for joining in today. It will be a great experience for all of us. We have also, because some of us were asking for your connect details and all, we have shared your website details on the chat box. So, our participants, you can uh, visit the website, learn more about the concept and, of course, connect with them. Like we said, I think at the end, we all have to work together to create a, and achieve something globally. And that is something that I know that we all together are definitely capable of as well. So, thank you, everybody. Have a great evening and have a great day. See you. you tomorrow for the next session. Bye. Bye.